Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Good morning, everybody. Today we are going to be concluding our series on others. We have kind of been journeying on how Jesus has been communicating with others, people who are on the fringe, people who are outside of mainstream. Uh, we've talked about uh, racial prejudice. We, we've talked about a lot of areas where people see others as people who are outside of their means, uh, people who we don't know how to deal with, people who might be uh, homeless or dealing with mental illness. Uh, people who are just outside of that, even the religious elite, people who think in a way that's kind of segregated in itself. And today we're going to be looking at gratitude. And this morning I'm going to talk to you about typhoid Mary, about isolation, about physical therapy, and telescopes. Okay? So let's turn to Luke chapter 17. Luke 17 verses 1 through or verses uh, 11 through 19. Luke 17. On the way to Jerusalem, he, Jesus, was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. In 1906, there was an outbreak in New York of the typhoid fever. And there was a woman who was responsible for this outbreak. Her name was Mary Malone. And what had happened is Mary was immune to the typhoid fever, but she worked as a cook for various families. And so what Mary would do is go and prepare food for these families, not realizing she was carrying the typhoid fever, and then she would actually infect the families of the people she worked for. But because she was immune, she wasn't sick, she didn't think there was a problem, but everyone who she served food to became sick. There were 51 people infected, and when they found out that she was the cause of this, 
They isolated her. They put her on an island for three years, right? Because she carried this virus and was infecting people. And so she became known as Typhoid Mary. And you might have heard that term. Typhoid Mary is kind of a term for someone who's spreading disease, right? It's like you're Typhoid Mary. Well, Mary then was able to go back into society, but they told her, you cannot prepare food anymore. But there was more money in preparing food than the other jobs that she was doing, so she went back to preparing food. And sure enough, another outbreak came. And I forget how many people died. I think it was like five people died and more people were infected. But she went under other names. She was kind of playing it low so she could keep working. And she was contaminating people. They found her again. And this time they banished her for the rest of her life on the island. And she ended up dying on this island for like the next 35 years. She was isolated and known as Typhoid Mary. You see... Leprosy is this disease that when they saw people with leprosy, it banished them. In fact, in the book of Leviticus, chapter 13, verses 45 and 46, we see that a leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of their head hang loose and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. And so when these lepers called out at a distance, they were required to stay a distance away from people. They were not to mingle with the community. They had to be removed from these people. They had to cover their faces. They had to wear these torn clothes so that people would know and identify them as being leprous. And so from a distance, they had to cry out and they were separated because of this disease. Leprosy was without cure for I think it was about 20 years ago that they were actually able to cure it. They could put it in remission, but even to this day, about 200 cases a year break out in the U.S., even though they are now curable. At this time, there was no cure. These people had to be quarantined out of their community, so if they had families had a wife, children, and all of a sudden they start seeing their skin breaking out, they would have to go to the priest. The priest would diagnose them as having leprosy and they would be banished. They could not go back home. They were just banished, had to live outside of the city. They lived on trash or if people were generous and gave them food to eat. And so they had their own little colonies, leper colonies as they were known where they were living together, but really isolated. They didn't have the ability to have that contact. And one of the things that happens with leprosy is it shows up in the skin starting to deteriorate, but it really starts in the nerve endings where you are unable to feel because your nerve endings are being damaged. And so a lot of times you, you start to hurt yourself because you don't feel the pain. 
You're walking along rocks and you don't realize your feet are bleeding because you don't have the sense. You're grabbing things and cutting your fingers, but you don't feel it. And so it starts to destroy your body because of your lack of ability to feel pain. And we don't realize that pain is actually a gift in many ways because it tells us when something's wrong. Pain is your body saying that it lacks integrity in some place. And so these people who were leprous, who were put outside, they were others, not because of what they did, but because of what happened to them. They contracted this disease and now we're quarantined really from humanity in in so many ways. And they were isolated. They were by themselves. They, They were alone in this colony, away from family, away from human contact. And something happens when people are isolated. When people are alone, it affects them. In 1829, Eastern State Penitentiary in Philadelphia experimented with solitary confinement. I love these words. Oh, we experimented with solitary confinement, right? It's like that experiment. Let's see what happens if children don't have human touch. Oh, they start dying. Well, let's stop that experiment, right? I mean, it's just like these experiments. So they experimented with solitary confinement, and many of the inmates committed suicide and were unable to function in a social realm after that. Isolation does something to you. Isolation can cause high blood pressure, makes people more vulnerable to infection or develops Alzheimer's more easily when people are isolated. It causes paranoia, causes hallucinations and other forms of mental illness. Oftentimes when you see people who are homeless, they are isolated and we start to see these things show up in their life. Because they're alone and all of a sudden they start dealing with paranoia. They start dealing with hallucinations. They start dealing with mental illness in various ways because the isolation does something to them. And so these people who are living in isolation, when they call out to Jesus and they say, Jesus, master. First of all, the word master is used really by his disciples. So it shows this connection to they have followed or believe in Jesus to some degree. But then they shout out, have mercy on us. You see, having mercy on them is more than just, oh, heal us of this disease. It's have mercy on us. Look at our condition. We are isolated. We are separated. We are without the ability to feel. We are hurting in so many degrees. So many ways we are affected by this disease that it is overwhelming. Have mercy on us. And it is a cry from the depths of who they are asking Jesus, they believe in him, have mercy on us. You know our condition. You know what we go through. Have mercy on us. And I love that they cried out to Jesus because we have to be able to know that you, whatever your situation, also can cry out to Jesus. Have mercy on me. Maybe you're feeling isolated. Maybe you're feeling alone. Maybe you have found out that you have contracted cancer or something and you're dealing with the depression that comes with finding out you have something that is fatal. And the 
isolation you start to feel and the hurt that you start to feel, you can cry out, have mercy on me. Now, it's interesting because at a distance, it says they they were far away and they would have to stay about 30 feet away. It's kind of like the three point line, right? In an MBA, you'd have to cry out, hey, Jesus, you know, can you shoot something over this way? You know, and, and there were times when Jesus would actually make contact, touch and heal them, but not this time. This time, it's at a distance. He says, go show yourself to the priest. Now, why would he say that? Again, in Leviticus, what would happen is if you were to say, hey, I don't have leprosy, you would go to the priest and they would check your skin to see if it was still contagious or not. And you would have to get the thumbs up from the priest to be able to enter back into the society. So it was kind of their way of going to the doctor to see if they would be okay to go back to their families. It was their system of how things worked, but it didn't look good. There were only two people recorded of in scripture who were healed of leprosy and it was both miraculous. So it's not something that you could just go, hey, I think I'm better. I'm over my leprosy now. It didn't happen. It was terminal. But telling them to go and show themselves to the priests is saying, go see what they say. And I don't know what they were thinking, but they started to do this. They started to move on that way. Having this leprosy, having this disease that has isolated you, now being told to go to the priest. You know, this illustration of leprosy is something that is so, so much like humanity. It parallels, I think, what people go through overall. It parallels what happens to so many in our relationship with God. There, there is a, a separation that is there. There is a, a slow deterioration that starts to take place in our lives. We start to become distant and what life means and the purpose of life. And pretty soon we become numb to life's meaning. Mark Twain said that men die at 27 and we bury them at 72. This idea of we, we stop really living or having reasons to live and the passion for life just kind of falls away. And leprosy is... a symbol of what can happen to the human soul in that relationship with God. And so now they're having to go to the priest to show themselves. Verse 15, it says, and as they went, they were cleansed. They weren't cleansed right there. It was as they went, they were cleansed. And, and I wonder how did they know they were cleansed? Uh, it says that one of them saw that he was healed and turned back, right? He saw it. He, he recognized something was going, but they're covered in clothing. I mean, their face is covered. Their, the whole bodies are covered. When did they realize that they were healed? Was it gradual? was as they would start walking, something would take place. It's very reminiscent of what happened with Naaman the leper in the Old Testament. One of, again, the Gentiles who was healed, who had to go and dip himself into the Jordan River seven times, 
right? It was kind of a process. It didn't just happen. It it had to gradually take place. And, And I don't know why this is happening or why God is doing it in this gradual form, but it's as they went. I wonder if they began to feel the pain of the rocks under their feet. It's like, oh, what's that? And all of a sudden, the awareness of sensory perception again. I'm feeling again. My, my legs are a little hurt. I'm a little stiff. Oh, my gosh, I haven't felt pain for so long. That pain actually became a gift that showed them that they were being healed. My life's experience, healing does not happen all at once. It is on the way. It is on the journey that healing takes place. Whatever the pain is and the hurt that we feel, the heartache that takes place, the illness that happens, the the tragedy that we are faced with, Healing usually does not happen instantaneously. It usually happens on the way. I was messaging with Dave Friday, and it's been one month since Terry has passed away. It seems unbelievable. But he was sharing just some of the difficulties he's going through where before he would go through this difficulty together, now he's doing it by himself. And we talked about healing. Time doesn't really heal all wounds. Some, some of these wounds don't really heal, but we start learning how to manage our way through them. And the healing we find isn't from the wounds. It's from some of the things that happens in life. And some of the healing that needs to take place in our lives is going to happen on the way. It's going to happen as we are journeying, as we are walking in the things that God has for us. As we are, in a sense, going towards the priest, we'll find that healing starts to take place on that journey, not necessarily all at once. Jesus tells them to go, show themselves. They start going there is an awareness, they are cleansed. A while back, I had an issue with my shoulder. I think I talked to you guys about having to do an MRI, that coffin kind of experience I had. And I had to go through some physical therapy. Physical therapy basically means we're going to cause pain in your body so that you can get better, right? Let's just, you're going to feel a little pressure. Well, what that means is this is going to hurt you. All right. And to to get I had what was called a frozen shoulder. And the doctor basically said, you have this because you're old. He put it a little bit nicer. But, you know, that's kind of what he said. So, yeah, after you get a certain age, your body stops functioning and you have to do these things. It's like you're saying I'm old. Right. So basically, because I was getting old, my shoulder started kind of getting set. And it would hurt. I would do certain things and it'd be like, oh man, that just really hurts. I couldn't lift anything. I couldn't carry anything because of the pain that would be there. And what he says, well, what you need to do is move your shoulder. It's like, yeah, the problem is when I move my shoulder, it hurts. 
you see, that, that pain that you're going through. And he said, he said, sometimes what we do is we put someone to sleep and then we just start yanking their shoulder around. And I was like, oh, you know, like panicking, just thinking about that. That sounds dreadful. And said they, they gave me another treatment that I was happy about. Or they gave me something to numb my shoulder so I could actually start moving it. And then it didn't hurt. And then I found out, oh, I'm moving it. And now it's better, right? But the physical therapy has to do with you have to take where you're at and you have to make something happen where you're at so that you can begin to go forward. You see, what had happened to these men and what has happened to so many of us is there's some kind of incident, trauma. With them, they contracted the leprosy. And the isolation that they felt, the being separated from friends and family, you can't remove those things. You can't take it back. You can't stop and say, pretend it never happened. It happened. Some of the things that we have gone through, we can't pretend they haven't happened. Oh, I'm all better now. It was nothing. No, it was something. It was a pain. It hurt like crazy. You can't go back and erase it. But in the process and the pain of moving forward, you find a new type of healing. Or now I'm able to move again. Now I'm able to function again. I can't escape the past. I can't pretend it wasn't there, but I can still move forward. And so they are moving forward to the priest I'm a leper. I've been isolated. I've lost contact with the people I love. But they moved forward. And then one of them saw he was healed and turned back praising God with a loud voice. This is such an emotional event. You know, we read these words and you think, oh, wow, that's great. But can you imagine? We don't know how long this person was a leper. But we know his condition. He's living in a colony with other lepers. Basically, they're left to die, to scrounge, to survive, isolated from everybody they've known and loved. And all of a sudden, he finds out that he's healed. And he runs back, praising God with a loud voice. It wasn't like, wow, I'm healed. Cool. Let's go back. He was running back, praising God with a loud voice. He was creating a spectacle. This was something that everyone's like, what's with him as he is running back? Praising God with a loud voice. It's such an emotional picture. Stopped, turned back. Praising God. When you praise, you focus on something. You you are drawn towards something. I I think it's interesting, telescopes, right? If you look at a telescope and you see a picture, I don't have it, it didn't get downloaded, a picture of the moon, and and you look at the moon and, you know, it's that... We know what the moon looks like. But then you look at it through a telescope and now you start to see the craters, right? And what the telescope does is it magnifies it. But even though it's magnified, it's still bigger than what you're able to see. 
And you see, praising is similar where he sees Jesus, he's magnifying who he is, but he is still bigger than who he sees. What praise does is it gives us an entrance into these things where we're able to see them a little bit bigger, a little bit more clarity, but there's still so much more. It's still much bigger than you can imagine. And and praising Jesus turns his focus on him and sees him. And Jesus responds to him and he says, we're not 10 cleansed, where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? It's really important that we understand what's happening here. A foreigner, being someone who is not a Jew, was only able to worship in the outer court. There was a a place specified where the Gentiles could go if they wanted to come and worship the God of Abraham. But the inner court, that was only for the Jewish people. And then there was the Holy of Holies, which was only for the high priest to go in. And so here is a foreigner who is usually on the outside only, and he's the only one who comes in close. He's the only one who comes back. And I think these other nine, they were healed, but only this one wanted to come back and say thanks. And again, he is unusual. He was an other person because the majority of them got what they wanted. But he came back to the one who gave that because he wanted to give something back. He wanted to say thank you. He wanted to give him praise. And you see, I think this is an important picture for us as we are following God. You see, obedience won't necessarily help you to see Jesus But seeing Jesus will help you to obedience. Obedience doesn't bring us to a place of relationship, but relationship with Jesus brings us to a place of obedience. And it's important that we see it working in that way and in that degree. Because you try and put one before, I'm doing all the right things, I'm reading my Bible, I'm I'm praying, I'm going to church doesn't necessarily bring you to relationship. But if you're in that relationship, well, then I want to read and find out more. I want to pray and communicate more. I want to gather together so we can see and praise and magnify Jesus more clearly. And it's important that we have this dynamic right. And what gratitude does is it moves us from being just consumers to being communers. We move from just getting something to a place where we actually commune with that person. It's so important to be grateful. It's so important. When we lose gratitude, we lose touch with what we have. We lose touch 
with the people who supply and give us those things. In Psalm 103, it tells us that Moses knew God's ways, but the people of Israel knew God's deeds. See, there's a difference. You can know what God does, but Moses knew his ways. He knew the reason behind what God did. Do we know his ways or just his deeds? Oh, the nine, they were healed, but the one came back because he needed to say thank you. He's the one who responded in a way of worship and praise. He's the one who saw Jesus bigger and understood him. The other was not only a leper and a Samaritan made whole, he was grateful and gave praise to God. And Jesus said, your faith has made you well. See, this was more than just healed from leprosy. Your faith in me, your trust in me, it's made you well. Gratitude will make you well. It will help you to be whole Being grateful to God and praising God will allow you to see him in a bigger way and it will bring a healing to you wherever you're going and on the journey that you're at. Whatever you have been through, praising Jesus is what is going to bring health to your soul. It's going to make you, it's going to make me well. And what we want to be is the others, the unique one out of the ten who come back and say, thank you. Thank you for making me whole. I still might be dealing with the repercussions of what has happened, but I am grateful that you have been with me through this journey. The pain has even become something I can praise you for because I recognize through it you are at work in me. And if we will not focus and praise and magnify God, we will lose sight of a big picture and we will miss the opportunity to come back to Jesus and to be made whole. Now, we have opportunity always before us to be grateful. But one of the things that we do as followers of Jesus is remember what he has done for us, show gratitude to what Christ has done for us in the elements, in the bread and in the wine. It is a a symbol, it reminds us of what Christ has done for us. And I thought, what a great way to end this series on others in recognizing that when we were outside, Jesus brought us in close by his body and by his blood. And so we want to conclude not only our series, but our our time this morning in being grateful and saying thank you for what Jesus has done for us. And we're going to take a moment. We're going to have a time of prayer where I want you within your own heart to thank God 
for something that's taking place in your life. I want you to thank God for maybe where he's brought you from and where he's bringing you to. You can thank God for the people. You can thank God for how he has been with you through this journey and process. And then we're going to come up to the table as Randy leads us in song. And you're going to take the bread and you're going to dip it into the juice. And you can partake there at the table or you can come back to your seat and partake. But I want you to see yourself, even as this leper returned, praised God, saw him in a bigger way, and gave him thanks. Let's be the ones who return as we go to this table and say thank you. Let's pray. Father, this story is powerful in what it represents. And it's also convicting, at least to me, Lord, there are so many times I am not grateful. There are times when I fail to praise you and see you in the situations that I'm in, where I am complaining, where I am doubting. And here's an example of a man who had nothing. And before he reveled in what you gave him, he wanted to acknowledge you. Lord, I pray you move us from being consumers to being communers. Move us in a place where we are not obedient because it is what we're supposed to do. It is because it is a response of our love and praise for you. Lord, allow this time to be a reflection for us to see what is there within us, to allow you to bring healing to us. Maybe we are numb to your presence. Maybe we've lost our sensory perception of your being close to us. And I pray we would be awakened to these things and we would find healing even as we come forward, Lord. Pray at this point and again, give thanks to God. Something that you can say, I am thankful, Lord, for this in my life. I'm thankful for what you are doing or what you have done. Maybe you find this healing as you see that the Lord is with you. Maybe for gratitude to really take hold, there has to first be a confession or a repentance. Maybe you have been complaining, ungrateful. Maybe you have not seen Jesus clearly and what needs to happen before you can truly praise him is you have to confess that you've been a consumer you've been living your life separated from him in in this idea of consuming and before us now is the opportunity to show 
our gratitude. To be grateful for what Jesus has done for us. And so on your own, if you feel comfortable, you can come up to the table again, take the bread, dip it once into the juice, and then partake. Remembering that the Lord gave himself for you, that this is his body broken for you, that this cup represents his blood poured out for you, and we do this in remembrance of him. We proclaim, we preach, we magnify his death until he returns. So as we worship, may you take the time and come up and partake together. Father, we are grateful. And we are reminded of how important it is to be people who are grateful. Lord, may we not lose a sense of gratitude. May it be a part of our, air, our lives. May, like Moses, we know your ways and not just your deeds. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice. Amen. Let's stand together. May you draw near to the Lord as he draws near to you and may you find healing on your journey. May he make you well. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week. See you again Wednesday. There's some books in the back. Chapter one, The Last Arrow. Hope to see you then. God bless you guys. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.